Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Bella Mahia Carter's quest for health and happiness dragged her kicking and screaming into spiritual adulthood. She adopted a raw vegan diet and later found a new relationship with her own thoughts and her soul. Bella is here today to share her personal story of facing fear, releasing perfection, surrendering, and finding validation within for her life and her work. Are you ready to meet her? Bella Mahia Carter is an author, writing teacher, and a coach who helps people experience greater freedom and creative expression by pointing them in the direction of their own wisdom. Aspire Magazine selected her new book, Raw, for its monthly top 10 inspirational books, and it won a silver medal in the Mind, Body, Spirit category at this year's Benjamin Franklin Book Awards. Bella just completed her next project, Where Do You Hang Your Hammock? How to Find Freedom and Peace of Mind While You Write, Publish, and Promote Your Book. Her works appeared in dozens of print and online journals, including The Sun and Mind Body Green, on Jane Friedman's blog, and in several anthologies. You can find out more about Bella and her work at bellamahiacarter.com. Bella, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh, thank you. This book, this memoir takes the reader on one heck of a journey. So let's start at the beginning. What was the catalyst for this journey? What happened that started this gigantic years-long process of change? Well, what happened was that I had chronic stomach problems, and the only thing my doctor could do for me was offer me medication. And I really wasn't convinced that the medication would take care of my problem. I, I didn't, there really was not a clear diagnosis. And it was my discomfort that led me on this journey of self-healing. How did you, I think this is a trick question maybe, how did you move out of that discomfort? Because I wonder if you did. Oh, that's a great question. Um, wow, what a great question. Uh, uh, there were levels of discomfort. And what I learned about discomfort is that it's always an opportunity and an invitation to learn something. And so, so in one way, yes, I moved out of the discomfort that I describe in the book. But of course, there are other areas in my life in which there, there, discomfort still exists, but my relationship with it is completely different. When you say that you were dragged kicking and screaming into spiritual adulthood, what do you consider spiritual adulthood? I personally am very familiar with the kicking and screaming because I've been dragged by my hair into change a time or two myself. When you say spiritual adulthood, though, what, what does that mean? Spiritual adulthood is understanding that first and foremost, we are spiritual beings. The rest of what we think we're about where we live, what our work is, who our friends are, what kind of car we drive, what we wear, all the things that seem so important in our lives, that's a, those are all, that's a facade of our lives. Those are roles that we play. That's not the essence of who we are. And spiritual adulthood understands that and acknowledges, oh, yes, I am first and foremost a spiritual being. 
And to me, at least, spiritual adulthood suggests that we keep changing. I think I'm back to that idea of discomfort. It suggests to me that we keep changing and growing. And maybe that discomfort is part of how we know we're walking that edge of change. Boy, that is, I could not have said that better, Karen. That was beautifully (laughs) expressed. That's exactly what it is. Wow. Yeah. And that never stops. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't stop as long as we're breathing. One of the things that I felt as I came into the book, so this book is divided into three parts, so body and then mind and then spirit. And you start off in the, in the body part of the book. And one of the things that I felt as I walked with you on your journey was I was feeling the way in which you went from not um, not being able to move, feeling hemmed in, feeling like you didn't have a lot of choices to a kind of freedom in your choices, even though that freedom kind of, mm, it feels like it got, got away from you a little bit as, as you, as things got a little bit radical as you were changing your diet and your body was changing. But I could really sense you going from that place of not being able to move, not having a lot of choices to having a lot of choices. Is that what it felt like going through it? Um, no, it was, it more felt like I didn't need to be in, like, I wasn't really in control of my life. I had during, during the time I was writing this book, I had a really interesting dream in which I was driving my car on a freeway, a very sharp freeway off ramp. I live in Los Angeles. And all of a sudden the steering wheel came off in my hand and I, I was just, terrified. I thought, oh my God, my, the steering wheel, how am I going to steer? And then the next thing I knew, my car was just gliding along just fine. And I realized that, I, that it really wasn't me steering after all. It seems that way. It seems like I have to be in control all the time, or that's the fear. That's what my ego is saying to me, that I need to be in control. But in fact, really this journey was about letting go, releasing, surrendering, allowing, and knowing that I was fine, that my car was going to drive, whether or not my fingers were clutched tightly around the wheel. Oh, I, I love that. And I, I feel, at least in my own experience, that the car is going to drive whether I'm under the illusion that I'm controlling it or not. That's for, exactly. like, for me on my journey. But <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not something that you, you know, like you can, you can have this understanding and still get snagged, but you can still get confused and for, you can forget. So that's why your other question was really interesting about, you know, is this over? Because there are times, there are times in which I just simply forget. And I'm, and here I am again with white knuckles, my fingers, you know, grasping the wheel. And I wonder if that means when we find ourselves back in that same place, I wonder if it means we're doing it wrong because it, it feels to me like that's part of how we are as people. We go forward, we come back and forward exactly. and back. And even our straight lines are a little bit curvy. Exactly. I mean, there, I think ex, um, expansion and contraction is how we're wired. And I think that's normal. And at times when I find myself in that place, I will tend to sometimes beat myself up and think, oh, I should know better. I shouldn't be in this place. But then when I can just release and relax and round it and understand and remind myself, you know what? This is the human condition. It's going to happen. It happens. Yeah. It was interesting to me. I thought when I got this book, 
I thought it was going to be a book about how you went raw, like did the raw vegan diet and then everything was perfect. Like I made cashew cheese or I got a dehydrator and now my life is perfect. And I was delighted <laughs> to, to find as I read it that that's not what this book is about as all, at all. This book is about being raw, feeling raw in every single part of your life, mind, body, and spirit, feeling into that raw edge of change and possibility, and even coming to terms with things you might not have wanted to take a look at. So about your creative life and your embodiment and a lot more. Yes, I love, I love that point because it's interesting when um, a few months ago, well, oh, I don't know, some time ago, I was asked to write a piece about why a vegan diet will make your life better. And I, I really recoiled. I didn't like that title. I thought, well, I can't say that a vegan life is going to make anybody else's life better. So what I did was I started the piece by saying, let's face it, nobody can tell you what's going to make your life better. But here's what helped mine. And really, that raw vegan piece was just the very, very beginning of this journey that started on the physical level and then moved into the mental, you know, moved in when, when my body started to feel better, but I still was experiencing discomfort. I thought, well, maybe there's a mental component to this piece of why I'm feeling so uncomfortable. And as I started to really peel that back and uncover it, I saw, wow, there was a lot of thinking that was sabotaging my health and happiness. And then after that, I had a couple of mystical experiences in which I, I really discovered. I, I had some, a couple of experiences that were spiritual awakenings where I really, I really understood who I was viscerally. I mean, I had heard while I was in graduate school, I have a master's degree in spiritual psychology. I had heard that we're spiritual beings having a human experience and intellectually that made sense to me. But I, prior to this point, I hadn't had experiences that that showed me that that was true spiritual awakening isn't always pretty uh were yours pretty <laughs> no <laughs> they weren't pretty they were scary i mean some people say oh a spiritual awakening you know you're just filled with a sense of love and everything is beautiful and that's not how it was for me i was scared i had the first experience that i had was um trying to think which was the first but I had one experience in which uh, I, was having, I was having a Reiki work done, and I had the sensation that my, my body felt very light on the table, and I felt like my pores were dilating. And, well, the, the first sensation I had was that I was, the first awareness I had was that I wasn't solid matter. I was just vibrating energy. Then it felt to me that my pores were dilating, and the next thing I knew, I was out of my body. And... I was I was existing in a dimension of of uh, where there was no time and space, and and then the, then I became aware that I was out of my body, and I said, "Wow, I am out of my body. I better get back into my body." And I was actually frightened when that happened, and the person who was doing the Reiki um, treatment on me said, "You know, this is a beautiful experience that you've had," and you know, tried to help me see it in, 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 in that context. And I, I was very clear that it was not a psychotic experience. I knew that it was a, that it was a, that it was a, 
spiritual experience. I had had an earlier experience in which I had had an ancient being speak through me in a language I didn't understand, but I understood the message. And the message was, do not waste another moment of your life in doubt or fear. So, you know, here I was, I was afraid again. But I, but I recognized that place, I recognized that space, I recognized being in a dimension that was outside of time and space as I know it in my daily life. And when those things, you know, when you have experiences like that, you know, it's just, it's clear to me, this is not all there is. This is not, you know, the, the, the physical form aspects of my life is, is only a, a small part of what my life is about. And it's so interesting how we can exist at the same time in the limited, uh, I am driving the car and the limitless, the car is driving itself. That experiences like the one you're, you're talking about feel like they would really bring that into sharp focus. Absolutely. And, and, you know, going back to your earlier question about, is this over? I, I continue to practice, I continue to practice identifying with my spirit rather than with my body or my mind. As a young person, I was a dancer. I studied at Juilliard and I was very body focused. And I thought, in fact, I was my body. And then I had a back injury and I had to stop dancing and I started to become, I became a writer and I started to have this very rich intellectual life. And for a long, long time, I thought I was my mind. I thought I was my thinking. But what really liberated me, and this book, Raw, is, is really the journey that got me to the point of this understanding, which is like a whole other story and a whole other book, but to the understanding that I'm not my thoughts. My thoughts, which I always thought, you know, which I always identified with so closely, I was always so fused with them, that's not who I am either. And so now, I, when I, when I, whenever I'm in a place of upset because I understand that upset, upset is not who we are, I realize it's because my thinking has been agitated and there's a thought storm going on. And, I, you know, I either need to just wait it out, duck underneath the wave of the storm um, and just appreciate and understand that my mind is trying to keep me safe. That's its job. It's part of my brain. But it's not who I am. It's not, it's not my essence. Yeah, and so I continue to have cultivate this relationship, this awareness of my spiritual essence. You are listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. I'm talking with Bella Mahia Carter. Her new book is Raw, My Journey from Anxiety to Joy. That idea, Bella, of, this, of the storm in the mind makes me want to kind of turn this to talking about anxiety. I wonder if you can say just a bit about how anxiety has affected you and how you journey with it. Yes. Well, I didn't understand. It's amazing to me. You know, I went to so many different people for help and they didn't understand the most simple thing about anxiety, which is that what anxiety is, is two things. You, you had once on your show, Dr. Gail Brenner, and she talks about this, and I love the way she talks about this. She talks about any emotion as being two things. Uh, a story that we run in our head coupled with a physical sensation. And that is what anxiety is. But I had no idea. I would feel a physical sensation, let's say pressure in my chest. I would then, and it would come from, you know, thinking that I wasn't aware that I had, that I was creating pressure on myself. 
And then I would feel the feeling and then I would freak out and think, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to stop breathing and blah, 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 blah. And I had all these stories playing in my head. And meanwhile, the physical sensation is getting worse. Once I understood what was going on, and it took it took some time. I mean, it was it's amazing to me that that mental health professionals, like nobody just sat me down and said, you know, you've got a lot of thinking going on, and it's not necessarily the truth. I did have there was one person that 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 showed pointed me in that direction, but it was amazing to me that that people really weren't talking about, well, this is what's going on. What's going on is that you have a lot of thinking. It's a lot of scary thinking. It's very future focused. And you know, I had this actually, my anxiety disorder, I had a, an actual diagnosed disorder, and that was followed by five deaths in our family in three years. And I was the executor of my mom's estate, and it was a big family fight. Wow. So that's what preceded the disorder. And I, I, but I had no idea what was happening. And now what I understand is that, is that anxiety is, is, it's very simple. It's a lot of thinking about the future, about it's scary thoughts. I'm making up scary stories and I'm believing them. And it's not the making up of the scary stories that's dangerous or, you know, harmful. It's, it's the believing. It's believing that that is the truth. And so once I learned, oh, these are just these are just scary thoughts. It's habitual thinking. It's conditioned thinking, and I don't actually have to believe them. And that has made all the difference. I mean, I, I know I no longer have an anxiety disorder. I mean, there was a time when I was afraid to leave my house, and you know now I'm traveling around the world, and and there's none of that. So it, it has been extremely liberating to understand how I was innocently creating my own anxiety with my thinking and then being afraid of what I was feeling. And I really think that if we human beings can simply not be afraid of our experience and if we can learn to lean into our discomfort and understand that, that we are safe no matter what, and there is a divine, powerful force in the universe that, that protects us at all times, then that's a much nicer place to live. And it, there's something there too, I think about, knowing that they're scary stories and allowing ourselves to receive them as scary stories instead of there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't think like this. Absolutely. There's nothing to be afraid of. I should stop. Right. There's something about kind of allowing those things. Absolutely. Yes. That, yes. That's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's fine. I get excited. You know, if you listen to the show, I get excited. Um, <laughs> I do. I, and I'm the same. I'm exactly the same way. But absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, you know, we those it's OK to have the scary stories. We don't know where thoughts come from. They arise and they fall away. If we don't hold on to them, if we don't invest what Caroline, um, uh, what's her last name? Caroline Miss Mace says about that. She says, don't invest your belief dollars in your scary thoughts and your scary stories. You know, think about what are you going to, what are you going to invest your belief dollars in? Well, and I'm thinking about your work as a writer and how we can kind of ride that, that kind of ugly, glorious, gory, terrifying wave of thoughts and ideas and the things that we make up in our heads. We can ride that to creativity and self-discovery and to expanding our boundaries as long as we're not also using those things to lock ourselves in the house or make ourselves sick. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely 
the truth. And I see that. I see that. I, I mean, it's more common than you would think. I mean, and especially among writers who, I mean, part of the part of the territory is to feel I'm not good enough. Who cares what I have to say? But the, the truth of the matter is, if if you're called to write, it's it's. It, I think it's the soul talking. And any of the all any 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 thinking that doesn't isn't supportive. I think it, you know, can just be allowed to exist and then just pass right out. You know, it, it moves in and it passes out. I love that American proverb, let go or be dragged. When <laughs> I was in my anxiety disorder, I was being dragged by my, by my own fearful thinking. And I had no idea that's what I was doing. Can you say a little bit about the writing circles you offer? Because that's, it's so important to have a safe space to um, where you can feel supported as all those waves of ideas move through you? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just starting uh, two new writing circles this week. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, I think it's really important for people to understand that, that it's, all, it's all okay. Whatever they're experiencing is okay. I once heard a well-known author, whose name I won't mention, say that in order to get through writing her memoirs, she had to imagine that nobody would ever read what she was writing. And I and I thought, well, okay, and I understand that. I get that. But the truth is, you know, if we can come at it from the perspective of it's okay to write what I'm writing, it's okay to have had this experience, then there's no denial. You know, there's no, there's no uh, sense of shame. That, because I think lurking beneath the directive to not, you know, to think no one will ever read this is, is, is a little bit of shame and a little bit of, you know, oh, this, is, this, this shouldn't be. But I think that, it, it, that any experience that we have is, um, it's, okay to, it's okay to look at, it's okay to lean into, it's okay to share. And I, I just love providing a space in which people feel safe enough to do that. Can you let the listeners know what they'll find on your website and how they can connect with you? Because you offer writing circles and coaching. There's lots going on. Um, I'm sorry. Ask, do, you want, do you want me to give them my website? Is that what you, you know said? what I'm saying is plug yourself, baby. Go for it. Tell them all the things that they <laughs> – so how can well, they – I offer, these, I offer these amazing writing circles both in person in Studio City, California, and also online. And they're incredibly intimate, and people just, they show up not really sure what to expect, but they get to write and read on every call, and uh, it's an incredibly safe and sacred space where people um, not only learn how to write, but they also learn how to be co courageous, and they learn, they learn about themselves, because I think that writing is just such an amazing growth process, and it teaches us so much about ourselves. So... My, my background is in spiritual psychology, and so I have also been doing empowerment coaching. And since the, since the RAW has come out, people have reached out to me for anxiety coaching. And that, you know, that's not something that I planned. It's just something that happened and has been very successful. So I've enjoyed that. And I have a new book coming out next, probably next year or the year after. I just finished writing it. It's called Where Do You Hang Your Hammock? How to Find Freedom and Peace of Mind While You Write publish and promote your work. And it's really just all about liberating yourself. That book is divided into three sections, dream, nourish, write, publish, and promote. And, and it's really just all about finding, finding uh, that, that inner space and navigating the edge and, and taking, taking leaps of faith all the time, as often as possible, 
Because what I've discovered is that when we take those leaps of faith, we fly. Mm. We really do. Oh, Bella, thank you so much for um, being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Karen. I love the work that you're doing. I think it's really important, and I'm just so happy to be a part of it. Oh, good. Thank you for being here. That is Bella Mahia Carter. Her new book is Raw, My Journey from Anxiety to Joy. You can find out more about Bella and her work, including those writing circles that she offers and her coaching at bellamahiacarter.com. Get ready because I'm going to spell. Are you ready? B-E-L-L-A-M-A-H-A-Y-A. C-A-R-T-E-R dot com, Carter dot com. And of course, you're always welcome over, over at KarenHager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events and offerings and all kinds of wonderful things. You can also uh, schedule a private session with me if you are so inclined. And if the way that you ride the raw edge of the things that are happening in the world today is that you feel uneasy or unsettled, if you're searching for more peace in your heart and peace in the world, I invite you to join us the first Sunday of every month for a free guided meditation called called Opening the Peaceful Heart, A Call for Love. You can get information. You can sign up for that free call at openpeacefulheart.com. That's a project that I started with my wife about a year, two years ago now, I think, as a response to the feeling that maybe the steering wheel had come off our car. We believe that when we focus in positive of intention that we can turn any tide. So that's at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.